the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to this 820 AM The Word broadcast special, Heart of the City. Pastors, ministry leaders, and churches have received a call to serve their communities with the love and compassion of Christ. The call is from God's heart to the heart of the city. This is Heart of the City. I'm Chuck Olmstead, the Director of Local Ministry Development for 820 AM The Word. You know, when someone goes through a stressful time or they're trying to process things in their own life, oftentimes they call on a good friend to just process with. So I texted my buddy that's sitting across from me today and asked him to come down to the studio because I'd love for him to share and to kind of process with me. And that friend is Kai Martin, senior pastor at Seattle Foursquare Church. Uh, he's been my pastor and now a friend for about eight, nine years. Yeah. And uh, Kai, welcome to Heart of the City. Hey, Chuck. It's always a blessing to be down here. And you let me come in in my sweatpants today. So <laughs> well, I, I'd love to be in mine as well. So uh, we could be sitting here just kind of chatting and, and having a conversation in our sweats. But beyond that, uh, folks that are listening today, you're just going to hear a conversation between two guys who love the Lord who are trying to figure out uh, our current uh, situation that we're having here in Seattle and then, of course, around the country. Mm-hmm. And and Kai is, a, a, as I said, a senior pastor, and I was just really curious how he is helping to navigate these uncertain times with his congregation and what he's teaching, what he's praying about, what he's feeling, what he's thinking. And uh, that's a... That's kind of a hard thing to ask somebody because, you know, I'm sure, Kai, you're feeling a lot of things and you're uncertain about many things. And so uh, for us to come on the air and talk about it uh, is a little unfair. Plus the fact I, I you didn't want me to say this, but I'll say this. You're in the middle of a fast. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, part of the denomination, uh, four square denominations in the middle of a fast. And so. You know, you're not feeling super energetic, and I know what that's like when you're fasting. And uh, so all of those things to say that uh, we just want to talk today and share a little bit of Scripture and share some of the words. So uh, welcome back to Heart of the City again. Chuck, you're a a shepherd of this area, and um, I'm grateful for you and the the voice. You were the first one to welcome me to the city. Took me to lunch, and we became close friends uh, through that. And over the last couple of years, you know, it's been some of the most um, difficult things to pastor uh, in our city. Uh, we've we've hit uh, things that you know you just kind of go, oh God, have mercy. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, the homeless uh, problems that have uh, inundated our city, the the issues now with race and culture that have uh, swamped us, the the issues of what, the taxation and everything else that have been on the front page of a lot of different settings and and I think in this the difficulty in even having a conversation Chuck is that it feels like at times we're walking through a minefield um, and uh, I don't like getting blown up 
<laughs> and I don't know if you're like it, yeah. but it's, um, the longer we've walked um, in this time, there's a tendency of everyone to get very cautious, to withhold. And uh, the danger in that is we really stop loving each other. And so, you know, I encouraged my staff this last week. Um, I just said, I, I need you to have two or three people that you go everywhere with. You talk everything through. And I don't care if it's you feel I- incapable of responding. You feel like you're going to say the wrong words. I don't know what this phrase even means. Um, but you have to be able to get it out of within and, and share it with somebody. Because COVID did something to everybody. It brought the good, bad, and the unbelievably nasty out. And I've loved seeing some transformations that I've seen in people. Like they've grown so tremendously in their word. People have come back to the Lord. But I've also seen this explosion of the heart where there's wickedness underneath that has just come full bore out. And, um, and I'm grateful in the sense of it's out that it can be addressed. But there's a lot of people that don't know how, even believers, drag that to the cross of Jesus Christ and let him deal with your heart. Because he doesn't want to do it over and over again. He wants to satisfy the longings of your heart. And there's pain in there. And so uh, even in talking to an audience that's predominantly Christian, but there are going to be people listening in that have no clue about Jesus. And, and I've, I've been in that setting, too, where I go, I have no hope. I look around, everything seems to be on fire, and I've got to pick a side. It's almost like I'm in a prison riot. <laughs> Am I going to be on this side or that side? And, mm-hmm. and I think one of the things that we have to remind ourselves is like Joshua with the angel of the Lord um, he wants to know, you know, are you going to be for him? And, and not that you have to say, honestly, I have to be before the Lord and let him sort out my motives, my insecurities, my prejudices. And that stuff has to be brought to a place that actually can be dealt with. And I, I don't have all the answers. Is, and I think that's the reason why you said, hey, would you come down and <laughs> talk a little bit? Because um, <laughs> yeah. I think I'm, I'm a very normal human that, um, you know, even though raised in a setting in which uh, was predominantly white on Vashon and affluent. Um, it was also a setting in which, thankfully, due to a lot of experiences with family and others, I got a full cross-cultural experience uh, in a lot of Eastern perspective was how I was raised. So family was of highest importance, not individualism. And so coming into this, I'm realizing God's shaking things in us that has to be dealt with. And I would encourage you know you and me that when we're walking that we don't walk through a minefield. But you grab onto some brothers and sisters and you say, walk with me. And if I offend you, tell me. Don't tell me in three years from now on a Facebook post. Um, you know, that was one of the things in which one of my pastor friends confided in me. We're going through the Me Too movement. He said, the initial uh, reaction inside my heart is I will not hire another female to work with me. Because he just goes, I just don't want to go five years from now and then have this publicized of, you know, you said this inappropriate thing in a staff meeting. And he said, I knew that that was wrong right when I felt that. And so he went to his entire staff and he said, from this point forward, if I say something off color, out of line, whatever it is, address me immediately. Mm-hmm. Treat me like a brother. Confront me because I don't know what I don't know. And if I say something completely off, I need to repent and get right. But he goes, I cannot shelter myself and put myself aside out of fear. I need you to love me. Well, Kai, that's such an important thing, isn't it? Because uh, you and I were just chatting about what our conversation was going to be like. I think the thing that I'm concerned about the most for pastors, especially, is this fear of being of saying of saying what needs to be said. Mm-hmm. And obviously, not necessarily about racial issues or or 
the economy or politics or that sort of thing, but just just that fear, that natural fear of I don't want to be misunderstood. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't I don't want to say the wrong thing, therefore I'm going to say nothing. Mm-hmm. And at this time, and that's why we're actually doing this program, Kai, is my heart is is that we'll be able to at least express how we need to think about things or how we need to process about thinking about things as we move forward, whether it's our brothers and sisters in Christ who are of a different skin color or if it's trying to face our fears with uh, the COVID crisis or face our fears with the economy, whatever it is, how do we need to think and process through these things? Yeah. Well, I the scripture that we're going to be leading our congregation through is Luke chapter 11, verse 1. When the disciples saw their need and they said, would you teach us to pray like John the Baptist taught his disciples to pray? And it was a simple prayer that came from that, that a lot of times people will respond and you know, hallowed, hallowed be thy name and enthroning the Lord. And we'll walk through that as a church. But I, I know that if we cannot let our hearts be expressed first to the Lord and then to others, uh, we're going to, there's going to be something that dies on the inside. So I'd say the conversation always has to start with first us being transparent before God. If there is pain, it has to be addressed. I was afraid when we first started into this, how many funerals was I going to have to do? I mean, Chuck, you know our congregation. It's you know 120 people on a weekend. Uh, if that and uh, well, 120 if they're there, <laughs> <laughs> right? <Okay>. Right. <laughs> and, and I'm thinking, okay. And now, not one person that I know in our body has contracted the virus, and I've done no funerals. But that fear was real, and I mm. quickly went to my leaders and others around me, and I just said, "This is real. I don't want to lose anybody." And they go, "Okay, now first share that for the Lord and to the Lord, and then you're going to have to share that with others." Now, there are other things that have wounded people deeply with previous relationships, friendships, the way they were raised, and those things we're either going to hide inside or we're going to confess them to the Lord. So I think it starts with prayer. I think it ends with prayer. Mm -hmm. Um, Harvey Drake, that um, you and I both know, that's a pastor in our city here at Emerald City uh, Bible Fellowship, uh, met with a bunch of us pastors, and, and he reminded us that during the civil rights movement, that most of the marches began with prayer meeting, ended with a prayer meeting, and was to restore a biblical truth, which was that all men are created in the image of God. And that pulling back to Genesis in which he said he created them both male and female in his image. And so I think whenever we're trying to restore something biblical, there's going to be a war for that. But it, if it is not started in prayer and ended in prayer, I don't think I want to be part of it. Because I, I think that we have a lot of opinions. I think everyone now with Facebook and every other media, they everyone has a, a platform. that used to be gossip. Now it's just proclaimed. And I think if everyone slowed down a little bit, they process first with the Lord before they process with their fingers, it would save us all a lot of time. And so I would urge the body of Christ as a whole, first let your heart be exposed to the Lord. Let the, Just like the disciples are going, okay, John taught them, we don't know how to process these things. I don't know how to get this demon out of this kid. I don't know why did everybody leave. Why are we going through these Samaritan villages? All of those things, they had to be exposed. You know, can, you know, can we call down fire on this village because they didn't receive us? And he goes, you don't even know what spirit you're of. Those men needed to learn something from Jesus. And if there's a time in the church that we go back to, and I said, I think right now from one of the reports that I've read, it's probably the highest concentration of prayer meetings that's happening in the United States is happening right now, mainly by Zoom or some other platform. <laughs> right. But people are expressing their hearts to the Lord, and that's wonderful. But I'm not sure, and we've even had a couple of contentious times, even on our corporate prayer meetings as a church, 
contentious times where one person feels like they need to pray for honor, and the next minute somebody's need to pray that we love our neighbor, and all of a sudden somehow these are contrary uh, statements. And you look and you go, wait a second, this is the character of God. If we can't love our neighbor and, and care for the Samaritan village next to us, we got a major problem. If we can't honor the king, we got a major problem. And so the thing was, it felt like we were praying against each other. And thankfully, our prayer pastor, Brian, brought us to a close right immediately and said, wait a second, this is not the way we pray. Hmm. We have to realize that the God that's sorting through our hearts, but we've got to be able to do that with each other. So if you miss say something, you mishandle something, let a brother speak into that. Let a sister confront you and say, when you say that, that's meant to intimidate me, to shut me up. That has to be expressed. <laughs> well, the, those are kind of the internal things that happen during prayer times. You know, when <laughs> when Christians pray with each other, sometimes there that prayer is a dart thrown at uh, an oppose, uh, you know, an opposing viewpoint, isn't it? It is, <laughs> and, and, and it shows the immaturity. But I yeah. also see it within the disciples. Yeah, the best refining came not by Jesus rebuking them, but the friends. Remember when I think it was John's uh, mom said, "Can they sit at your right hand or your left hand?" Well, look right after that. It was the disciples that said, who are you? Yeah. And, and that peer pressure is so needed, even in this time where you go, I'm going to be misunderstood. But if somebody calls and goes, I don't understand where the, somebody's coming from. Maybe it's the older generation where the you know, younger generation goes, I don't understand. The worst thing they can do is try to make it up in their mind what they're going to respond with. But if they said, would you sit with me in a backyard would you go on a walk with me and meet me at Green Lake? And I need to know your heart. I need to know the things that you're afraid of. I need to know how you're processing this. But what's happening is a lot of times they're having this inner dialogue, and they're not sharing it with the Lord, and they're not sharing it with somebody that actually can address their fears. Yeah. And I think, uh, Kai, I really think strongly that that's so critical uh, for that to happen, and especially how difficult it is right now for you as a pastor mm-hmm. and for congregations that are you're physically separated from each other mm-hmm. to be able to have those dialogues and not to do it through social media or through texting or through emails or through anything else, but to have that conversation. It has to be intentional, doesn't it? It does. It does have to be intentional. And, and Chuck, it, it, there's um, one of the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. And we need that, not just patience. It's the place of going, I haven't heard my brother or sister out on this. Hmm. And I think it's so critical for us to realize that to love somebody is to really prefer them in a, in a setting. So if somebody posts something that you're, deeply hurts you, the best thing to do is not to write a reply to that, but to call them and say, can we talk this through? And I prefer it on FaceTime. I prefer it on some medium that I can see your face. And if we're so elevated and heated over this? Can we do it on Marco Polo or some app that you record and then send to me? But what's not acceptable is for somebody to hate their brother in their heart. And I'm finding that. I'm finding, I mean, if you just think about in the last two years, all of the things that's come at the church, divide them by economics, divide them male and female, divide them by race, divide them, divide them, divide them. And there's this place where you and I have to look and just go, no, my brother is so valuable to me. I need to hear. I need to respond. I need to recognize. And when it's not my story to tell, I want them to tell their story. But I'm not going to allow for the lack of love. And I think that's really a lot of what we're experiencing. And COVID exposed it because we couldn't talk it through. I can't cry with somebody at the altar. I can't confront them in their sin. And so it's, it's difficult. It's a difficult medium to be in. And I think that's the place where I'd, if, if you're unable to say it to them in a very personable way, 
then try to find some medium that you can. It might be a letter or something, but don't re- don't get to the place in which their heart becomes hard and you cut a brother off or a sister off. And and I'm finding that more and more that people are they have no patience mm-hmm. and they have no self control, and that's where the body of Christ looks totally different than the world. <clears throat> yeah, I saw this on on Facebook actually last last night, and it was I won't go too far as a description of what it was, but it was a, a Christian leader who basically posted in caps, "I have no tolerance for," and then listed all of the things that he had mm-hmm. no tolerance for. And yeah. the thing that uh, I took away from that was the caps that said no tolerance. And yeah. it's like uh, I, I hoped and wished that he he could actually see what what he wrote at yeah. that point and saying I, uh, I'm upset with you and therefore I have no tolerance for you mm-hmm. at all. And, and that's not where we want to be in our hearts. No. And I know – that's probably not where he wants to be either, you know? <laughs> Whatever you post that you need to retract, own own your junk yeah. fully. And I've had to repent to my kids. I've had to repent to my wife. I've Just because out of my mouth, my heart speaks, and sometimes it's wicked. Um, and something I've reminded our team, it came from our supervisor, Tammy Donahue. She said, steward your voice. Our voice carries. Mm-hmm. And you have to think about what other cultures would think of. My Indian friends that are listening to Sunday sermons and other things, I have to think through their context. They're listening to this. They're trying to figure out what's happening in Capitol Hill. I think that's Kai's vi- neighborhood. Well, it's not my neighborhood. But they're my people. They're my city. They're valuable to God. They're valuable to me. And so when people are calling and they're saying, hey, what do you think about it? I just go, have you prayed for them? Mm-hmm. Or are you just willing to mock them? Right. And them being somebody that you can't touch. And I go, the one thing we hold to as believers is that we have an access to the throne of God, and he hears us and responds to us. You have the opportunity to to pray for my city because it's right in front of your face. Care for them. Love them. And in ignorance, many times, that's where people stop praying. That's where we need people to engage in prayer. But I, I guess back to the steward your voice, Chuck. You and I have a voice. This radio station has a voice. Pulpits have a voice. And now everyone else has a voice. And I, I believe that if people would say, you're going to have to steward that like your finances. You're going to have to steward that like you do, you know, your, your family and other things. But if they can steward their voice, there's going to be a lot less of that, that explosion of stuff where tolerant, the opposite, tolerance is a lack of love. Yeah. Kai, I, I hate to take a, a, a two-minute detour here, but I just feel compelled to say it. And that is – as you're talking about stewarding your voice, I think about our radio station here. Mm-hmm. And several years ago, this would have been probably mm, 13 or 14 years ago, uh, had some conversations with some of our corporate people, and we actually met with some local African-American pastors here in the city and had a had a private meeting with them to talk about our station and actually just to talk to them about the availability of being on our on KGNW on 820 AM the word and i made a concerted effort at that time because the the the, the question was or the the comment was you know basically you guys identify as white republican conservative and we need other voices so uh, we made a concerted effort to to make sure that uh you know all congregations were uh, um had the opportunity, mm-hmm. and 
you know, at one point in time, we were 30 percent of our local programming was uh, with African-American. And, of course, our sister station, Radio Luz, is all Hispanic pastors, you know. Mm-hmm. But I still find that uh, I have a heart, and now a majority of our local ministries that are on are African-American uh, speakers and hosts, which I'm really glad about. But I, we need more of that. We right. not we we want to have the African American church, if you will, or the voices or that culture be able to speak Absolutely. and to proclaim the gospel. You know, through our airwaves, our Hispanic friends, our Chinese friends, mm-hmm. our you know Indonesian friends. You know, if uh, if they can do the, do it in English and and speak, we we want them on our station to have that voice in this community. To be able to preach the word and to proclaim the good news of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we want to steward our voices, you know, for the community as well. That's our job. Yeah. It really is. So pardon pardon me for the. No, it's, and I think what, Chuck, you've modeled for me and we've seen in this city is we need another 300 church planters. And I'm praying for them to come from Sri Lanka, from Indonesia, from Nigeria, um, from Finland, wherever they're coming, that they would love our city like Christ loves the city. And so you can't you can't cast somebody away because they come from a different cultural background, or they may preach louder or longer. You just look and you go, you I need you in our city, and I think that's one of those things that you have modeled. I've I've tried to model of just saying I need you. You are my brother. You are my sister. How, what can we do to pl- uh, to partner? And I think that's a piece where I would come back to our people as a whole of just saying, let anointed voices speak, hear them, respond to them, but let it always come back to the Word of God and what God's trying to do in our city, and we're going to need a lot of hands to do that. Yeah. Well, I know that there are some voices out there that uh, are are wanting to speak. You mentioned Harvey Drake. Mm-hmm. Tremendous amount of respect for Harvey, and uh, I've seen him year after year after year in various settings and uh, be able to um, to share uh, with pastors and ministry leaders. Uh, I love my friend James Bra- uh, Broughton, who, mm-hmm. who, who uh, at Damascus International, who's been able to uh, proclaim. And, you know, I could start going down a whole list, a litany of people who I have a tremendous amount of respect for who speak into the life of this community. We've got about two and a half minutes left, Kai, so I'd love for you to kind of wrap things up with mm-hmm. a scripture. Yeah. Just uh, as as we've been sharing and just some some final thoughts. Yeah. You know, Chuck, if we can, you know, I just turn the eyes of the people. Uh, one of the things that at the very end of First Peter chapter 2, verses 16 to 17, talks about live as free people or freemen. And, but don't let your freedom be a, somehow a cover for evil. And then there's this little part that it says, just remember that you're bond slaves of God, that you belong to another. It says, honor all people, love the brethren, love the brotherhood, love the family of God, fear God, and honor the king. Now, to set all that up, and we did this through our prayer meeting, was verse 11, which is your sojourners here, your aliens here. It's just saying, you don't, you don't belong here, but you're here. And I think that's how a lot of Christians feel, is they just go, okay, I, I, don't, I don't know what I'm doing. I've just been placed in the city. But then it goes to the place of going, now, how do you live in the city? You're going to honor people. You're going to love the family of God. You're going to you're going to be interceding for your enemies. And 
Dallas Willard made a quote of just saying, you know Christ's likeness in a person by how they respond to their enemies. And I think that's one of those things of just a check of our own hearts of going, are we living as free people? And as free people, are we able to love our enemies? If they spontaneously came in front of us, how would we respond to them? And I think in this, you have to first identify your enemy and then that we begin to pray and earnestly desire God's best for them. Well, that's a challenge for all of us, isn't it? That that uh, we, we recognize that um, we are sojourners. This is not my home. There's a song, this is not my home. We're only passing through. Yeah. And that is a reality for us. We are ambassadors of Christ in this area. And uh, may we walk in obedience to him and love our neighbors as we love ourselves. Pastor Kai Martin, Seattle Foursquare Church, I want to thank you for joining me today, sharing your heart and, uh, and uh, your life with us today. So God bless. We'll talk to you again. You've been listening to this 820 AM, The Word, special Heart of the City. For more information on how your pastor or your ministry can be featured on 820 AM, The Word, call Chuck Olmstead, 206-269-6216, or go to thewordseattle.com.